The grace to you and peace from our God and Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Whatever is my topic for my sermon today is fear. We've all experienced fear, haven't we? We all know the negative effects that fear can bring. We know, yes, how fear can limit us. We know how fear can, in fact, stop us. In our Gospel lesson for today, we have the wonderful narrative about how Jesus healed a man afflicted with many demons for his entire life. Really, it's probably difficult to imagine such a state. We're told that the, the man, he never wore clothing. He lived in one of the houses in the cemetery of the community. In order to try to control this man, they often chained him, they often bound him, they often tried different methods, but because of the demon possession, he was so strong physically, he could break the chains. The community doesn't quite know what to do with him. And yeah, they have a little compassion, they have a little bit of empathy, you know, they realize being driven out into the desert is probably bad for him, he might die there. And so yeah, they go and search for him and they bring him back, but what else can they really do? They're just kind of stuck. This man is kind of a burden to them. They kind of want to do the right thing, but yet, well, what happens? His healing comes at a price. And first of all today, maybe we want to reflect back on the tradition of the Jewish people. For in Old Testament law, the Jewish people were forbidden to eat pork. They were really, you know, forbidden. It wasn't supposed to be a part of their diet. And so maybe we kind of wonder, why is this particular group raising hogs? I mean, really, for, you know, you, you farmers out there, you ranchers out there, you know, if you can't eat pig, what is the point in wasting your time raising it, right? You know, yeah, maybe you can get some leather from the hide, but really, if you're forbidden from eating the pork, what's the point of going through the effort? But nevertheless, this particular group of Jewish people, they have pigs up on the hillside. Their pigs are there. Jesus, yes, probably trying to make a, a point about, you know, your guy's standard of living, you know, your personal holiness. He allows the demons to go from this man into the herd of pigs. Yes, Jesus allowed it. 
When the demons enter, the pigs, the pigs stampede down the hill. They're all drowned in the ocean. Yeah, it really is a big deal, right, in the community. It really is kind of you know, a big thing, a big event in the community's history. But where do the people begin to focus? They focus on, yes, the dead pigs, don't they? Rather than the saved member of their community. Rather than expressing their excitement, their gratefulness, you know, this man who really, yes, has been a burden to us for these many years, who suffered from this demonic possession, who is having all of these difficulties, he is now whole again. He's now in his right mind. He can begin to contribute to our community. We don't have to set a guard over him anymore. We don't have to worry about him wandering into the desert or being in danger to our children even. Now he's in his right mind. And from God's perspective, from Jesus' perspective at this time, well, what did it cost you? It cost you something that was holding you back spiritually. It cost you a law that you were failing to follow at the time. It cost you, well, essentially, nothing of consequence. We're told today that people became afraid. That people became very concerned. The people, rather than wanting Jesus to stay around, to teach them further about God's law, to help to heal anyone else that's in the village, rather than that, out of fear, the people sent Jesus away. Oh, Jesus? Kind of appreciate it if you would leave now. We kind of appreciate it if, you know, you, 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 you would go. Um, you know, yeah, we kind of noticed that you did this little thing, and that's nice, but the whole herd of pigs was killed. And, you know, we're, we're not sure that we want to live up to your standard. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? That God himself set a special standard for the nation of Israel. Part of that standard was at the time that they would not eat pork. It was part of the standard. Something that marked them as different. Something that set them apart. They would follow certain laws, rules, regulations, that they would be set above other people, that they would have a special closeness with God. The people in our narrative for today, they, they indicated they didn't care about that, right? God says don't eat pork, but we raise herds of pigs over here. Well, the same thing happens in our own day and age, doesn't it? God lays down His holy law and people living outside of that say, hey, I don't care. 
I don't care about that. God says, you know, shall not commit adultery. And how many of you know people that have committed adultery? And if I were honest with, with one another, they've been probably close family members even, haven't they? God says don't do it, and they don't even hide it anymore in our current society, do they? In fact, they, they act proud about it. I'm almost surprised that they don't have adultery right marches. Adultery month. Right? We're getting close, aren't we? People flaunting God's laws, people mocking His way of living. You know, God has called us as Christians to a higher standard. And God reveals in His Holy Bible just exactly what that standard is. Yes, dear friends, we are supposed to be better than other people. You know, often when people don't like it, maybe when I speak like that, you know, maybe it just kind of rubs you a little bit when I tell you you ought to be better than other people. But God himself has said, you know, let your light so shine that it might draw other people to Christ. You are a light upon a hill, Jesus says. Don't put your light under a bushel. Right? In all of these verses, Jesus, yes, is really telling us we are supposed to be noticed for our different behavior in this culture. We are supposed to be noticed for a higher standard in this present age. We are supposed to be the ones that other people look at us and say, there's something different about that person. Dear friends, while well, I was on vacation um, with my, my two sons there in Colorado, there came a, a day when, when my brother and my son Scott were confronted with two individuals that they just didn't have the Holy Spirit. And they, they weren't injured. They, they came out of the, the interaction okay. And, and from that perspective, they were fine. But it was really interesting because my, my son, Scott, he came to me and he said, you know what, I'm so proud of my uncle. The way he handled himself. Those people were, were drunk and they were obnoxious and they seemed to be losing their temper. And I, I don't know what, what was wrong with them. But, you know, my uncle, David, kept his cool. And he responded with grace. And I was so proud of him. Dear friends, that is what we are called to be. Confronted with bad things in this world, confronted with a drunken, obnoxious people, even confronted with life 
tearing events. And we are called to be different. Have that higher standard. To be set up above, yes, other people. Our Lord and Savior, you know, He, he comes to us and He talks about what we're supposed to be like. And He says, you know, I want people to be drawn to God because they see a difference in you. I want people to come to know my Father because they see something special about you. In fact, we should be known by our fruit, right? You kind of remember those verses? That we should be known because of what we have produced in this life. That we should, yes, even bear the marks of Christ. That perhaps there would come a time in our lives when other people would say to us, hey, yeah, fella, yeah, yeah, gal, it's maybe time for you to go now. I appreciate this little thing that you did over here, but hey, the whole herd of pigs got killed, right? Save our sacred pigs. It wasn't so bad before. That's what people in our text are saying, wasn't it? It really wasn't so bad to have this guy living in a little house in the cemetery, and we kind of were concerned we had to guard him, but as long as our pigs were okay, it wasn't so bad. But dear friends, we're called to do the opposite. And what sometimes stops us, yes, is that fear. It stopped those people in that community from having Jesus around for a while. It stopped probably some of their loved ones from experiencing Jesus' healing at the time. It stopped them from having a wonderful relationship with our Lord and Savior. It was because of that fear. Fear can stop us. And fear is a liar, isn't it? Because what does fear really whisper into our heart? Right? It's really Satan's voice after all, isn't it? It's that voice of Satan that is speaking and saying, Oh, God doesn't really want what's best for you. God just killed all your pigs. You don't need that. You don't need those things that God says are best. Just live life however you feel. 
Just do what comes naturally. Just let me guide you. It's that voice of Satan way back in the Garden of Eden, isn't it? Eve, God is holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be smart like he is. Go ahead and eat the fruit. Oh, doesn't that look good? Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Oh, you can be just like God and make decisions for yourself. Go ahead. Eat the fruit. Fear. Fear that God can't be trusted. Fear that God does not want what's best for us. Fear that we might be missing out on something if we follow His law. But dear friends, we came back to church once again today because we know God loves us, don't we? And we're gathered here together once more because we understand God does want what's best for us. And we go to His commandments and we begin to learn with an open mind. And, you know, still we can kind of see, Thou shalt not murder. And we can say, well, yeah, the world kind of works better when people aren't running around murdering each other. And yeah, still most places in the world we can agree, thou shalt not murder is a good command. Thou shalt not steal. And yeah, for the, for the most part, at least, you know, we can agree it's really bad when someone steals my stuff. Right? You go to most people in the world today and you say, if someone stole your stuff, would, would that be okay with you? And they say, oh no! But see, unfortunately, that same person probably would say, but it's okay for me to shoplift at the Walmart because Walmart is this huge corporation and I need stuff. We probably know some people that have said those very words. And then we kind of go on down the line and, and you go and you ask maybe half the people in the United States and you say, well, what do you think about adultery? And there's probably half the people in the United States who would say, well, I think that's probably okay sometimes. They go into our public schools and you say, well, what do you think about that commandment to honor your father and your mother, to obey the authorities God has placed over you as is put in the explanation for honoring your father and your mother. We probably find 80% of the students in the public schools say, well, who cares about that? I don't want to honor mom or dad. My mom or dad are not worthy to be honored by me. You see, you see that attitude in some of the young people around. Indeed, the bottom line becomes, out of fear, we stop trusting God. Listening to that voice of Satan in our minds 
causes us to begin to disrespect God's commandments. That kind of fear that God is not really looking out for me, that God is holding something special back from me, that God doesn't really want me to become like Him or to reach my full potential, that God somehow is limiting me. That fear, time and time again, chases Jesus away, doesn't it? Now, the Bible says, of course, you know, he stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks. He's persistent. He desires for every single person to be saved and come to the knowledge of him. But in the end, if you don't open the door, if you think Jesus is holding out on you, if you think that antiquated religion is limiting your fun, you're not going to keep Jesus around. The fear is Satan's lie. I don't know how to make it any more scary for you this morning. Fear is Satan speaking directly into your mind and lying to you. Because what is the promise? What have we gathered together once more to hear? We come for the truth, don't we? The truth is, God is love. You know that truth. The truth is, God so loved you individually that even if you were the only person on the earth that would ever be saved, Jesus still would have died for your sin. God loves you that much. God loves you so much that when he saw the way to heaven was broken, he sent Jesus to open that way once again. God loves you that much. God loves you so much that he created the Ten Commandments not as just kind of rules to restrict you from having fun, but rather as a guide to lead a successful life. God loved you so much he didn't just leave you alone to wander in the wilderness, but rather he provided signposts. He gives you direction. He gives you a solid foundation to build your life upon. The Bible says for us to examine the outcome of the way of the Christian life. That other people should be able to look at us. They should be able to examine the outcome of our lives. And they should be able to say, yes, there's something different there. Those people, they still love one another. 
Those people, they still support one another. Those people, they still take care of one another. Those people still do simple acts of kindness in the face of enmity. Those people return good when evil is done to them. Those people seem unstoppable even when Satan throws his worst at them. Those people even sing in the flames. Remember those heroes of the Reformation? Tortured, imprisoned, even burned to death at the stake, and many of them their last Thing written was. And he sung hymns from the flames as he was burned. Dear friends, that is the power of God. The power to be able to cast out demons from the man in our narrative for today. The power to bring healing to a person, to a community, to a church. The power to set us in our right mind once again. The power to follow God's way. The power to be able to stand on our last day and to have it be said about us. I examined the outcome of that person's way of life and I saw Christ and it changed me. Fear is a liar. Cast out your fear and take in that perfect love of God. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.